From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I am Brian. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Yes. 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 All right, before we get too deep here, I want to give a big shout out to the American Homebrewers Association. They do a lot to support homebrewing, and homebrewers, and now they support us. During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at, the home, at homebrew shops and select tap room. As well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link at the bottom of our homepage and join today. I also want to give a big shout out to our patrons, specifically our Black Belt patrons Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Tyler Romanski, Hoppin' Barrel Brewing, Brian Bryanson, Devin Stinson, Phil Feldman, and Dakota. If you. <laughs> Dakota. Dakota. Uh, if you'd like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash studios uh, become a patron today. Um, and then uh, while you're over at blindnessstudios.com uh, looking for that patron link, uh, go ahead and click on that store link. Uh, it will bring you over to teespring.com slash store slash studios and you can buy some of our merch. All right, Brian. Mm. We got a lot of things to talk about today. But uh, any brewery updates? Um... Still looking November 20th. I'm not sure when this will air. Uh, this will air in two weeks. In two weeks? Oh, in two weeks I will know lots more stuff. Okay. So in three weeks we'll have a big update for you. <laughs> uh, or uh, listen to uh, the Hop and Barrel Happy Hour and you might be able to get some more information there. A little yeah. cross-promotion. Yeah. I think we'll start brewing this week. Which Ooh. If this is the week of the, what, the 11th yeah. of October. Very exciting. Um, I do not have much to add. I am working on trying to get some brewing done, but it has been a little hectic. When was the last time you brewed? I don't want to say. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Moving on, hot side aeration. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it's, it's been a minute. Uh, but we are going to do a commercial calibration. Oh, that's right. Um, yes, my, my brewing schedule is opening up and now that like I'm not spending all my time messing with the stupid pool. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you have to, you're going to, well, we'll talk about that. That's my, closed sorry. out. Sorry. That's closed. Oh, it is? Okay. Yep. Uh, so my eyes became wide when Casey Very told me wide. about the calibrator um, today. Uh, New which, Belgiums. Yeah, Fat Tire Amber Ale. I haven't had one of these in 100 years. And I remember when this came into the market and I went to a beer dinner at that, uh, well, it was an Irish pub in downtown Minneapolis, 2011, I think. Uh, but yeah, anywho, let's go. Yeah, this. this beer has been around... For, for a long time. This was craft beer, an amber ale. Yep. The other one I was probably drinking around that time, or maybe a little earlier, was James Page, if anybody remembers that. If anybody is as old as I am. Not that old. Old Bry is old. All right. Um, so ABV on this, 5.2. IBUs, 22. Calories, 160. Uh, yeast is the house ale yeast. Give it a tip for me, would you? There you go. Ooh. 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 Spicy. Spicy meet the bottles. Uh, hops, we're looking at Willamette, Goldings, and Nugget. Really? Uh, malt, Pale, C80, Munich, and Victory. Interesting. All right. So, uh, pours, beautiful off-white, uh, tight, bubbled head. Yeah. Um, this beautiful light amber. Barely off-white, nice and clear. Uh, yeah, very clear, beautiful white, light amber color. Um, aroma is... Slightly caramely, almost like toasted bread. Caramel sweet, toasted bread, and geez, just a little bit of ale yeast, I think. A little yeah, just a little bit of that fruitiness, that, uh, fruitiness. kind of blending together with some of the sweeter malt character. Yeah, it's like <clears throat> toast that looked at jam. <laughs> Jesus. 
I don't, have you done that one before? That's pretty, no. That's pretty, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah. Immediately uh, tasting it, that caramel sweetness like comes right up, and it falls into like this fruitiness on the on like on the aftertaste. Oh my! It's this very is, fruity. This is super good. This is much unlike what was the other calibrator we did where we were oh. like, this is awful. Okay. Was it Newcastle? Uh, yeah, Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that was terrible. That was so bad. That was not good. Was so bad. This is really good. This I can, is very I good. can see why a whole, this turned a whole generation on. To and then craft beer. Craft beer, that's great. Uh, mouthfeel is not as uh, heavy as I would have expected for an amber. It's Mm-mm. definitely on that, that light, it's light medium. It's, I'm feeling more medium. Just straight medium. I guess there's there's a roundness to it. Yeah, yeah. That's, yep. that's kind of more where I was getting. I think the, that caramel malt is kind of fluffing it up a little yep. bit. Uh, so when we say roundness, um, for me, it's it kind of like fills the back of your mouth, and there's um, not not quite chewy. Uh, I'm trying to think of like, a, how, how would you describe roundness of mouthfeel? Oh, um... I don't know the the what what um, uh, color malt did they weave, uh, weave into C80. this C80 and uh, Munich and Victory and Victory. Okay, so they so they did some layering, and that's yep. what I mean. What I think in my head, what I mean by like roundness, if that's how the word you want to use. Yeah, so it's, it's like a bell curve of flavor. Right. So yeah, layering, roundness. Okay. It's just it's just getting past toasty almost too. On this Maillard, it's, you know, for being lighter, almost orange. I don't know, man. Like, this is almost, ah. li- like, slightly less than amber. It's more orange. Yeah, it's, it, more it's definitely not like a... To yeah, me. it definitely has a fest beer vibe to it. Totally. Well, no, not fest beer. You mean Meritzen. Uh, or Oktoberfest. Meritzen is darker than a fest beer, isn't it? Yeah, I thought fest beer was kind of yellow. Yeah, I would say this is, well... I, this would be like halfway between, I would think. Yeah. Man, this is quite good, though. No lager character, definitely ale character. Very, so very if you ale. Threw, I think if you threw a, a proper German yeast, uh, lager yeast at this, you'd probably have yourself a pretty fine Oktoberfest. I'd swap the pale for pills, but... Definitely. Good call. All right. Man, it's good, though. Yeah, it's very good. Happy. This is a happy... Uh, like, this is, Sometimes we try one of these and they're terrible. Yeah, it was kind of like oh, this is either going to be good, and we, and we ruin all of our all of our memories. <laughs> <laughs> all right, discussion topic for today. This is going to be a fun one. This is a hotly debated topic. Highly contentious. Hotly. See, I did there. Really, Dad? Because we're, so we're going to. You're like, yeah. 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 We're talking about hot side aeration. That's right. And we might be full of hot air, but. We're <laughs> oh, sometimes, yeah. But we're going to talk about this. So, uh, hot side aeration is the introduction of air, specifically oxygen, to wart over eighty degrees Fahrenheit or whatever that is in Celsius. Uh, oh yes, please convert. I'm doing that real quick. Um, and this has been talked about. Uh, oh, that, was the, that went the wrong way. I'm gonna do this one. Uh, Twenty six degrees uh, Celsius. C. All right, um, this has been talked about for a very long time. It's mentioned in How to Brew uh, and Radical Brewing, and those are like some older books. 
Yeah, I think they still stand up. Yep. Uh, oh, they do. Oh, they, yeah. they definitely do. Like, I mean, the How to Brew Bible is... Dude, that, that for... was... That is... I mean, if you are literally... If this is your first time ever listening to something like this and you're trying to get into the hobby, I would make sure that you add How to Brew to your collection of books. A Radical Brewing, eh, make that down the line. Yeah. Um. So things that can cause hot side aeration um, are... Hot, hot boiling wort. <laughs> well, so uh, if you vigorously stir your yeah, wort, vigor, you can, vigorous stirring. Um, um, if you have a like a rough transfer from mash tun to kettle, mm-hmm. um, that can cause hot side aeration. Um, over stirring your mash tun in theory could cause hot side aeration. Mm-hmm. Like pretty um, much, if you transfer your beer to. Uh, while it's still hot into the fermenter, that could cause hot side aeration. Anything you do to agitate the hot wort. Mm-hmm. Adding oxygen to it. And, then, and this is, I don't, can't remember if you said this, but it's hotter than 80F or 26C. I think yep. you did say that. Yeah. yeah. So anything that you're doing that's agitating it to the point where oxygen is uptaking in it. Mm-hmm. So here's kind of the controversy. I am going to read a quote from John Palmer and a uh, quote from Randy Mosher. Randy Mosher wrote Radical Brewing. Uh, John Palmer wrote How to Brew. Uh, you should not, uh, so this is How to Brew. You should not aerate the wort, uh, or aerate when the wort is hot or even warm. Aeration of hot wort will cause the oxygen to chemically bind to various wort compounds. Over time, these compounds will break down, freeing atomic oxygen back into the beer, where it can oxidize the alcohols in hop compounds, producing off flavors and aroma, aromas like wet cardboard or sherry-like flavors. Hot side aeration can occur any time the wort is hotter than 80F. Oxidation of wort compounds will not be affected by the subsequent boil uh, and will cause flavor stability problems later. I think that's the bottom line here is that HSA is all about stability down the road. Yeah. Um, And then Randy Mosher says, HSA has been a bit of a boogeyman of late with some people going to extreme lengths to prevent it. The question is, will it cause problems in homebrewed beer, especially oxidized flavor as the beer ages? Breweries certainly take it seriously, but then they have a lot more to worry about in terms of product stability. The jury is still out on as to whether HSA is injurious to your average batch of homebrew, but I think it's safe to say it isn't a huge problem, a view supported by the fact that the phenomenon was not even discovered by brewing science until fairly recently. But it also makes sense to try to avoid techniques that are likely to expose hot wort to an undue amount of air if alternative methods can be found. Um, and there are um, a few experiments. Um, Brewlosophy did a really good one. Um, yeah, they, they do a really good one on everything. But. Yes. So here's... <laughs> so I guess the, the, con- like, the question is, does it really have an impact on the beer? Is it something we really need to take extra steps to worry about? No. I I've always stood by the fact that no I don't, I don't believe I don't believe in it I think it's a myth and I don't think that anybody is going to be able to tell unless there are some extremes and since cold storage of beer because it's a food product is going to slow down any kind of reaction rate I just I mean hopefully by the time you get any beer into your hands there isn't any off flavor but I just, I don't think, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't like try to, you know, whip your, your word on the hot side or, you know, try to make it. Like, I wouldn't, I mean, unless you really want to do the experiment, I wouldn't try it. But I, I don't think like a little bit of splashing during a transfer, I don't think a little bit of overstirring is going to, you know, I don't, I don't think I would pick up on it. Right. I think it, I, 
I think if you're making a beer that you're going to lay down for years, mm-hmm. um, you you might want to take a little bit more of precaution. But for your average brew day, I don't think it's going to make a difference at all. I really, I really don't. Um, I feel like you you could make things way more complicated than they need to be. Um, but at the same time. On your average homebrew system, where 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 would you pick this up? I would say you would potentially do it if you transferred um, your wort into the fermenter before eight uh, before you hit below eighty. Um, but even then, like at that point, we're trying to add oxygen in. And right. so what what Palmer's saying with it binding to the compounds and then not or then not releasing until later on. That that's something I think I need to do some more research on because something there isn't quite tracking because we're trying to add oxygen in and that it's going to go in solution. Well, there's all kinds of of points where the ingress of oxygen can occur, like milling, packaging. Yeah. And uh, I mean, like being careful on that on that side is probably wildly more important than being careful to not slosh your word around. I mean, and especially if you whirlpool too, like it's, I don't know. I think anything you're going to pick up as far as like oxidation or air, you know, like I think you'll mistake it for like, it'll probably be packaging oxygen. Like if you weren't you yeah. know, careful enough when you were doing that. Yeah. Like I don't pur- think you're going to get out the bottle or whatever with CO2. Yeah, it's not going to be HSA. Uh, I just don't think it's a thing. Yeah. I've, then again, if Palmer talks about it, then it's worth looking into, like you said. Yeah, it's worth looking into, but also, like, I mean, as as science has changed, Palmer's stuff is getting more and more out of date, mm-hmm. and some of it doesn't make well, sense anymore. Malts are more highly modified. Equipment yep. uh, isn't, uh, you know, ragtag piecemeal yeah brian did it with a, a saw well know. and the first how to brew came out jeez what 90s i, I want to say the 90s um i mean if i was reading it in 2005 uh yeah i had to well yeah so i mean it's it's a book that's pushing 30 years old so there's bound to be some stuff in there brewing classic styles came out in 07 oh my god really yeah God, Lord, I remember when that came out and I bought it. Wow. We've seen my copy of it, right? It's like... It's all dog-eared and, yeah. Piece of... Yep. Uh, he just pushed out the fourth edition in 2017. Wow. Okay. So, of uh, How to Brew. So I'd like to kind of see what what differences there what were. What the differences are yeah, and what things have changed. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah. Um, our... Our opinion is it it's not really an issue you need to worry about at the homebrew level. Um, I wouldn't, like, don't go out of your way to add oxygen to the wart, but don't fret. Yeah. It's it's, it's a non-issue. You're going to be fine. If you, if you want to do everything under pressure, like, and not, like, introduce any oxygen until you absolutely have to, go for it. Yeah, you should listen to your boy Randy Mosher and don't, you know, like, don't uh, don't do it on purpose, but you know, try to avoid it is basically his whole deal. Try to yeah. avoid techniques. So yeah. All right. Um, listener mail. Yeah. Woo! All right. So we have another question from Tyler. If you guys listened last week, he sent us in a bunch. So we're gonna kind of piecemeal these out. 
Um, so this one is, I got into an argument with somebody recently on the coffee subreddit about using plastic fermenters after getting a bacterial infection. The person claimed that plastic could be sanitized after such events, but I am skeptical. Recently, I threw out a uh, Fermonster because my raspberry rhubarb cider formed a pellicle, and I assumed the plastic was compromised. Can plastic fermenting equipment be salvaged after infections? Brian? Sorry, I was behind on reading that because I was trying to read both of them. So I, I threw out a Fermonster because my raspberry rhubarb, blah, blah, pellicle, plastic compromise. Um, yes. Um, it can be salvaged after, but only for sour beers. <laughs> yep. Um, so here's here's the here's my thing about this internet argument. Um, so you you can't sanitize it because sometimes these plastic scratches are so small that from a molecular standpoint you can't get the sani or whatever, the, anything, you know. Well, and then if you throw a sani on top of something that hasn't been cleaned, well, yep. where are we at? You can't throw sanitizer on dirt and you're and like, you, oh, it's, it's sanitizer. We're, we're looking at micro uh, scratches and... Tiny little scratches that, like, these molecules of these cleaning solutions cannot get to. So, yes, uh, the, the, the it can't be. So your, your dude is wrong. Um, yep. And if you want your fermenter to last more <laughs> than a year, glass or stainless. Yeah. And, um, and again, that's another like argument to using like buckets because if you're going to use plastic fermenters, I like those, those big mouth fermenters are cool. Those were after my time, those came out. So I never really got a chance to use them, but, um, those are great, but change those bad boys out. Yep. Um, uh, once a year mm -hmm. at least, or mm -hmm. I, I don't know, like every like 10 batches maybe. Well, that's, I'm sorry. I didn't finish my thought on the buckets because then oh, later yeah. you can use them for whatever else. Sandy, yes. sandy bucket. Unless it's or, a bottling bucket and then there's a hole in the, and a hole in the bottom. And, and then your mom puts a hose in it yep. and, and it won't fill up and she's, and she's mad and mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That so <laughs> the, the plastic, the plastic is cheap enough. It, where it's not. And I, I hate saying this because, um, we need to stop using, all these single-use plastic things. It's a multi-use yeah, plastic, but... So. Um, and they're recyclable, but still, like, switch to glass or stainless. Um, if you can't... So if, if, if you can afford it, yeah. Uh, I, I say switch to stainless because glass is terrifying. Um, also, if yeah. anybody's local and wants sick glass fermenters, uh, you can have them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so get, get rid of it. It, it can't be salvaged. It's not worth it. I guess you could you could scrub and scrub and scrub, and then you're going to introduce more micro or micro scratches and just cause another issue. All right. Um, so Tyler, I hope we answered your question there. Uh, Nate sent one in. Um, Nate was the one who brewed a wedding beer uh, back. Uh, oh yeah. This. Yep. And so we talked a little bit about that. Um, yeah. Did for uh, his, his I, I so he is he is married now. So congratulations. Yeah, Nate. dude. And um, and then there was a, th a th I didn't get to finish reading before like how how the beer go. Uh, he said it went very well. Sweet, went very well. Yes. Um. Yeah. So, uh, hey there. Working on a creamy spiced imperial stout. Wondering if you guys could proofy my recipe. Uh, if you, uh, if you will. I want to make sure the flavor profiles and malt hop selections make sense. Here is the recipe. Um, and I'll read it out. Um, it is eighty three percent Maris Otter. Uh, 2.5% biscuit malt, 2.5% uh, uh, chocolate malt, 
um, Baird's uh, 500. Uh, 1.5% roasted barley, 1.5% Kara 90, 1.5% Kara Pills, 1.5% Kara Aroma, um, and then uh, 2.5% brown malt and 2.5% uh, dextrose. Holy moly, that's a bill, dude. Yep. Uh, and then hops. He has three ounces of <coughs> Chinook at 60 minutes, three ounces of Simcoe at Cas- uh, at 15, and three ounces of Cascade at five. So we're looking at um, a potential alcohol of 9.1%. So it looks like his OG is 1093, okay. estimated. Um, fermented with London Ale. Um, and then he's talking about adding uh, cinnamon... Uh, hang on. Where did this go? Um, cinnamon and cayenne to this as well as like a Mexican chocolate style and then cacao nibs. Okay. Um, so what I said on here was, uh, we'll talk about adding spices to a beer in just a second. Um, there it is. Uh, wedding beers, do, 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 hop. Uh, so first thing I said is the hops switch to some kind of alpha, alpha, a high alpha neutral bittering hop. What did he, okay. I I finally just pulled the recipe, but I had to, I I managed like nine social media accounts and so I was like, okay. Um, so he's using, uh, Chinook, Simcoe, and Cascade, mm. and I, and that seemed like too much. It, it was going to be muddled. Um, I said switch to something high alpha, like Warrior, or even like a hop extract. Um, and then just do the 60 minute, don't worry about your, your 15 and flame out. So what are we, let's, let's think about this here. Let, let's back up. So he, he wants, hey, I mean, it says right here, hey, they are working on a creamy spiced Imperial Stout. Now. You've got the five and fifteen minute additions here. I think are completely unnecessary yep. because uh, I would like. What did you say, Warrior? Yeah, Warrior or even Hop Extract. Yeah, do Hop Extract or like Warrior or Magnum at sixty and collect all your IBUs right there. Right there. Skip these fifteen and fives. Yeah, because the the flavors are going to get lost or they're going to clash or they're going to clash or muddle. Um, and dude, with this this is a very complex um, malt bill, which is great. Mm-hmm. And you know how I feel about, like, I'm always like, oh, layer the blue, layer yep. the malt. Which you've done a, a decent job of that here. I'm wondering about this roasted barley being a little too much. Um, it's only half a pound. It's only half a pound, but it's uh, he also has a pound of chocolate, chocolate 500. If you really want the chocolate, I would, I would maybe back the chocolate down um, into that roasted barley. And if you still want some of that roast, uh, use a debittered. Definitely. Um, debittered black malt. Yeah, like... Like Carafa or um, um, debittered chocolate. Jeez, what's the one that Brees makes that's really good that is like a... Jeez, um, it's um, it's a... It's Black Prince is called. Yeah. Black Prince with a Z. Black Prince with a Z. That is Brees, right? Yep. Uh, and then we've got what? Cara Aroma, which I'm assuming is probably the same as our aromatic malt. I think so. Cool, that'll give us something good. This carapils, I'm assuming, is for foam. And your dex is obviously to, to ja- boost. jack the, the ABV, which is yeah. perfect. You got so, you gotta put some kind of sugar in here. Yep. Yeah. Uh London Ale, I think, is a is a solid uh option for this. Just heads up, 
it could stall. It will. Yeah, I would. Um, I would make. I don't know where is Nate at. That is he doing starters and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think he is actually because I think didn't he have? Like yeah. A, yep. Yeah. We were yeah. talking about that. <sighs> yeah. I mean, and, and if this isn't in glass or clear, this is going to be a really fun ferment to watch. Those yeasts are going to be flying around like oh, crazy. Yeah. Like a blow off tube for sure. Oh yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be clearing beer off your ceiling. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of that going on. Brown malt Thomas Fawcett. That's interesting. Yeah. This will be this will be a nice little beer, man. Cinnamon and then. Cocoa nibs. Uh, and then, yeah, he mentioned cayenne as well. So, oh my. Um, this is more mole. We're, yeah. So creamy, though. Well, that that sort of elicits, like, maybe he should put some lactose in it. That or even maybe some oats. Mmm. Or um, what's, uh, or even, like, just if you want, like, yeah, you want kind of those proteins. Oats and lactose, you could ditch the carapils. Yeah. Um, and then corn sugar. Uh, That's going to thin it? It's going to thin it. You could use like a turbinado or a brown. Yeah, and that'll add um, a little bit, another layer of complexity. Mm-hmm, that too. Those are good ideas. All right, so um, adding spices. We've, we've talked about this a little bit. I think I sent him, um, we, we did a holiday spiced uh, beer episode last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sent him that. Um, but when you're doing spices, you have to remember, kind of less is more. You can always add more. You can't take it back. Go easy. Um, my, Go easy. Taste along. Yep. My uh, thing to do is, so cinnamon, yeah, you could throw a stick of cinnamon in there. It's not going to completely overtake the beer. It's probably going to be fine. Um, but something like cayenne pepper, or if you're using ground cinnamon, make a tincture. Like, take like a neutral spirit, um, mix it up. Pull a sample of the beer and then add it, add a measured amount in. Math. Taste it, do the math, figure out how much you need to add. Here's another good hack. Add, uh, if you're soaking those cocoa nibs, soak it in chocolate vodka. Oh, I always like to soak them in uh, bourbon. Oh, I am the grasshopper. <laughs> yeah, good call, dude. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah, because uh, then you get you get like that chocolate there's bourbon another, note and it's vanilla and yeah, a little vanilla. Yeah, yeah, especially in a beer like this where you just you're just layering those flavors. Um, yeah, yeah, that's gonna be an, it's gonna a be nice, a really a good nice beer. Um, so Nate, I hope we answered your question on that yeah. one. I don't really have anything else to add there. I'm digging it. Um, glad that your uh, that your uh, wedding beer turned out. Yeah. Anywho, anything else you want to talk about, bud? Nope. Alrighty, well then, I think what I'll do is stall until I found the right button to push. Found it. Alright guys, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindersstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindersstudios, or you can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace!